Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Denver Crux podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hazel, and today I had the pleasure of speaking to Andy Novak. Andy is a search and rescue operator, otherwise known as SAR, S-A-R, and we go over a lot of amazing information, a lot of things that aren't exactly common knowledge, but is very useful to know, everything from various rescue operations to their training and being prepared out in the wilderness. You know, here in Colorado, the outdoors, the wilderness, it is part of our lifestyle. It's part of what we do on a daily basis. And being properly prepared can oftentimes be the difference between a successful day out in the mountains or an absolute catastrophe. And so we get into how to be prepared and even when things go horribly wrong, it doesn't matter because we've got search and rescue out there to have our backs in those catastrophic situations. So a lot of great information on this one. As a general public service announcement, anyone who wants to contribute or donate to the SAR community, you can reach out to Alpine Rescue. You can also reach out to RMR, which is Rocky Mountain Rescue. And depending on where you recreate, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, sometimes your local sheriff's office will have their own SAR team. So definitely try and give back, even if you can even if you can donate a few bucks every now and then. This is extremely valuable to the teams because it goes towards their training, their gear that really make or break a successful life-saving operation. So anyway, thank you, Andy, for coming out and speaking today. And thank you for everyone involved in the search and rescue community for making our lives out in the mountains that much safer. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Denver Crooks, a podcast dedicated to the Colorado climbing community and their passion for adventure and pushing the limits of the human spirit. All right, so we are recording, we are live, and I'm lucky enough to be right across from Andy Novak. Um, Andy, how are you feeling today? Good. Great, man. How are you? Good, good. Again, I appreciate you making the trip out here, and we're going to get some good information going on. All right, I hope so. Thanks like for... I expressed to you, this, what you're involved in, in your community is extremely interesting to both myself and pretty much every other climber I know. And so I'm super excited for you to shed some light on everything. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, thank you for, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to uh, let, let you and, and listeners know kind of what I know and the, the small sort of piece of the, the search and rescue community that, that I've been a part of for uh, a little while. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, so I always like to start at the beginning. Um, where'd you grow up? Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. not well known for their mountains. No, no. I, um, you know, I, I uh, grew up in Omaha, and then, uh, but every summer I'd come out to uh, Estes Park actually to go to a summer camp um, for um, like four weeks, and then I'd stay for you know a couple couple weeks after, and um, just basically sort of kind of caught the, the outdoor mountain bug um, in Estes Park kind of every summer and 
um, you know, kind of never, never look back. Uh, the second that I turned 18, I, I was, I was out of Omaha and, um, and kind of, you know, in a, in a car driving, driving West. So, so you moved right to Colorado? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, attended, uh, uh, college up in Boulder, um, went to CU Boulder. Um, and, uh, then, um, it just, you know, when there was a question of, of where I would go after college, it just kind of was never really a question of me sticking around. So I've um, been here, I think, 23 years, 24 years coming up um, in uh, in September. So I've been here a little while and seen things change, but um, I, I just love it here. Now, when you were back in college, did you get involved in outdoor activities then? Did you continue that outdoor summer camp? Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of joke with myself. I, I kind of took a four year sort of a, a little, little, little bit of a break from, from climbing. Um, I, I started climbing and, and hiking and backpacking and things and mountaineering and at that summer camp in Estes Park. And, um, sometimes the, uh, you know, the, the pull of, of the bars and things like that in, in college and in Boulder kind of forced me to, to not necessarily get super, you know, take that super seriously for, for that time. But then the second that I went back to, to college, um, for, for a graduate, uh, graduate degree, I, you know, didn't really have those kind of those, um, distractions too much and really, you know, got into, uh, got into the outdoors, you know, as kind of full time. And, and then that's actually where I, I first, um, kind of got into to search and rescue as well. So. so you got caught in that cliche college debauchery. I did. I did. <laughs> Actually, you know, in, in the summer, um, you know, I, I did some trips and some international climbing and, and things. And, um, but, but during the, you know, I, I never really advanced, you know, my, my climbing. Like, I, I mean, I think I was like a, like a, f, you know, five, nine climber when I, you know, when I, when I was 18 or five, 10 climber when I was 18. And by the time I was 22, I was like a five, nine climber so you know <laughs> normally like living in boulder you would probably you know i would i, I should have been a 513 climber but um you know i, I had some fun so it was, it was good what kind of climbing did you initially get into were you pulled to the trad scene sport climbing yeah so um you know initially you know kind of getting the taste of the estes park sort of scene um you know i, I kind of got to know some folks at colorado mountain school some 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 of the early um, you know, early folks, uh, there and, and, um, actually didn't clip a bolt until I believe I was, had been climbing for probably five years. Oh, wow. So really got into kind of the, the more mountaineering sort of side. I, uh, my, my first trip up Long's Peak was up the North Face, uh, when I was about 14 with, with my dad. And so that just totally kind of put me on this sort of track that you did Long's Peak at 14. Yeah. It sounds like you had like a, like a Tommy Caldwell dad relationship. Uh, well, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not. No, I definitely won't <laughs> won't won't uh, equate myself to, to that. But um, no, know, but my, but my just dad, that pushing. You know, yeah. That really well, you know, it actually, I think it was probably the other way around. Actually, my my dad, you know, it was I, I would come back from from these you know summer camp and I'd show him these pictures and you know there'd just be this like fire in my eyes and he probably kind of wanted to be a part of that. So he said, you know, why don't why don't we, you know, go climb and why don't we go out to Estes Park, you know, and, and, and kind of do that stuff. And so that's kind of where, where, it, where, where the bug kind of bit me. So nice. Yeah. So you were initially attracted more so to the, to the mountaineering aspects of climbing right, versus yeah. the actual climbing itself. Movement. Yeah. I never really, you know, at least initially was never really 
you know, I mean, I, you know, some, some friends would, would go bouldering and things. And, you know, I mean, I'd love that. And, and, you know, it was fun to me, but, you know, actually kind of, you know, kind of working out the problems of, of the mountains, you know, kind of, you know, to me, being in the mountains is kind of like the whole package. So, you know, it's, it's kind of taken into consideration the weather and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, a you know, climbing to me, I guess still is not necessarily like the athletic, you know, not a hundred percent the athletic pursuit. It's sort of more, you know, kind of this whole, you know, sort of the adventure package, you know, being outside and, and, you know, being comfortable outside, being comfortable outside for, you know, days on end for, you know, multi-day trips is something that I, that I still just really relish in after almost 30 years of it. So. Dude, that's so awesome that you have that mindset. And I say that because I very much resonate with that. That's of all the different facets and stuff in climbing, that whole total package adventure that you're talking about, that's, that's what I seek. Every once in a while, I like, you know, climbing hard and stuff and, you know, pushing the grades and everything. But for the most part, I like being able to make it out there in harder approaches, um, sometimes, you know, a little bit of weather variables and being able to, being able to solve problems through mountaineering, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I think it's rare to find people like that. A lot of people, they want generally, you know, I can't speak for every climber, but from most of the people who I talk to, they kind of want that casual approach. They kind of want to just get out there, climb, you know, kind of go home. And it's always hard to rally people for like, Hey, we're going to be on this hour long approach. And then we're going to have to solve some, some problems up there. You know, we're going to have to, we might have to repel in, or we might have to, you know, do some different problem solving when we're up there. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun part for me, you know? So that's awesome that you're on that same page. Absolutely. The total adventure package. I like how you put that. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then, so you're out there climbing after college, you start to get back into it, you're doing some international trips. Yeah. Where, where'd you go overseas? Or? Um, you know, in, uh, in, in 1999, I went um, on a trip with Colorado Mountain School to Bolivia, and uh, that was a big... We did um, uh, Juana Potosi outside La Paz, and then uh, the the big objective was a mountain called Iamani, which is a twenty one thousand foot uh, peak, and just a a really really dramatic place. Like the high camp is this eighteen you're at like eighteen thousand feet. It's wow. called the Condor's Nest. It's just like spectacular, but um, that that Iamani didn't quite work out. Juana Potosi did, um, and that you know that was a really fascinating trip for me that, you know, I was alone, um, as far as not, you know, knowing anybody, it was, I think there were, I was the youngest one on the trip by far. I was 18. And I think the other, you know, other oldest person was probably in their 20, you know, late twenties, but, um, you know, kind of just hanging out with, with the guides, um, from, from CMS, um, that I'm actually still friends with, um, Eli Helmuth, um, you know, great, really, really, you know, great guide, uh, great, you know, mentor for me for, for those, you know, two or three weeks in Bolivia. Um, we definitely got into some shenanigans in, in La Paz um, <laughs> afterwards. But, um, you know, he, um, he really, you know, super interesting to kind of, you know, hear him, his approach to, to guiding and, and, you know, his, you know, approach to, to climbing. And um, I also kind of, after that, I did some other sort of trekking uh, trekking trips and um, but you know that trip to Bolivia was was a pretty technical my um, definitely a good introduction at 18 to, to high altitude mountaineering and um, you know an international sort of expedition type of type of trip and you know I, I kind of saw on that trip how you and, and some of these other trips to 
Um, I, I was in Russia as well and, and kind of the, the preparation, you know, that, that goes into to some of these trips. And I, I approach, you know, my, any search and rescue mission, I approach any personal, you know, trip with this level of, of preparation that, you know, some people think is totally overkill, but, um, mm. you know, I just, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, pro, what is that proper preparation prevents piss poor performance? A- absolutely. You know, and so I, I just, it, it, you know, I, I know some people that, you know, that, that are completely, you know, way, way, take it way more seriously than I do. But, um, but I, you know, things like, you know, how many calories, you know, I'm, I'm going to need how many, you know, how much water, um, you know, even down to, to, you know, how many ounces of fuel, things like that. I, I really, you know, definitely, you know, make sure that, that I am pretty fastidious about, (laughs) about planning that stuff. So it sounds like that was quite an education for you that, that trip kind of like a, Kind Absolutely, of a, kind yeah. of a self-learning journey, kind of eat, pray, love style, almost. Yeah, and you know what? the The mental aspect was even was was the most, you know, kind of shocking and interesting to me. I mean, I kind of was an eighteen year old, very fit, um, and just kind of went down there with this mindset that I was just going to climb, you know, outclimb all these people, and you know, I wasn't prepared for the altitude. I wasn't prepared for some of the snow conditions. I wasn't prepared for. Uh, I think I, if I remember right, I think I had, I was climbing in, this was like in 2000. So I was climbing in like double boots, like Koflak double boots. And I mean, I think like one, one just didn't fit right. And I had blisters and it was just a, a very humbling experience as well. So, you know, it's not just about fitness, right? Like that's, that's something that, that's really important to, you know, for, for anybody to, that hangs out in the mountains, like you can be super fit, but if you're not prepared, if you're, you know, if you go out, you know, not, not, you know, not, not prepared, you're, you're not going to have a good time. So. No, absolutely. And I'm sure that was very eye opening because I can, you know, I can remember some of my very early expeditions, you know, like, and this is even before my, before I started climbing. Um, I started, started climbing, you know, pretty, pretty late. I was a, what, maybe a sophomore in college, you know, so probably what, 20 years old or so. But even before that, I remember taking just some, some good hiking expeditions, um, overseas to Europe. And, you know, I'm out there, I was like, I was like 18 years old and I didn't have any type of these preparation skills that, you know, you're uh, talking about. And it sounds like you two had that eye opening experience. And I think back on it, I'm like, I was going like 15 miles a day through the Swiss Alps and the Dolomites and I'm like I didn't have any type of like GPS I didn't have any type of first aid training let alone first aid equipment like what if I would have you know snapped my ankle just randomly it's not like these are heavily trafficked trails Mm -hmm. you know I mean I was just I was kind of bushwhacking through forests and over mountains and ravines and everything and I think that's something you know that you know, you kind of said like there's some people that are go out prepared, some people that don't go prepared at all, and I think that's more so the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure if you agree in your experience. People going out on these kind of these questing adventures, and they're like, we're gonna have a great time, but you want to have a great time, but you're not prepared for the contingencies in life. Mm-hmm. And totally. 
no one knows contingencies better than you. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen some I've seen some contingencies. That's for sure, <laughs> for sure. But I mean, you know, just little things that that you know you learn just by going on you know little little hikes. I mean, people that that spend time you know even in Colorado, even you know kind of just going to to Wash Park, going to going to hang out at, at you know Chatfield Reservoir, right? Like, you know, what kind of jacket am I going to need today? Like. I mean, people that that maybe live in other parts of the country, like they don't think about that stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, they they might not think like, oh, like it's a thunderstorm. You know, maybe I shouldn't go golfing right now, or maybe I shouldn't go paddleboarding right now. I mean, there's a lot of you know, a lot of people in Colorado that that you know just kind of know that stuff that you know since since they've kind of grown up, you know, and they've seen on the news, you know, people get you know stuck in the mountains or people you know get into trouble on Chatfield Reservoir or whatever. I mean. You know, it's it's just kind of that that very simple, just you know, some of that just simple stuff like layering and making sure you have enough water. Um, I mean, it's you'd be completely surprised and completely shocked, you know, how how many you know calls, search and rescue calls across the state can be, you know, could could be avoided by just some mm-hmm. some pretty simple preparation. It's it's pretty shocking, but um, you know, some people just they don't. You know, I never, never attribute to, to malice what can easily, easily be, you know, attributed to, to ignorance, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, that quote, yeah. you know, people just, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not terrible, bad people. They just, you know, they just haven't grown up, you know, maybe like, you know, me and you have, or, you know, they haven't been taught that they haven't been, you know, educated in, in that way. So, mm-hmm. and um, so, and some people go the route, it sounds like we did trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? Until you're in that situation. Exactly. Yeah, we were all, you know, we were all, you know, early hikers and and budding climbers and buddy budding mountaineers and through hikers and backpackers at one point. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you you got you go out on these calls and you you know roll up to these people on the trail and you got to kind of have that in the back of your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, this could have easily been me when I was 18. This could easily yep. be me now, right? I mean, I, yep. I mean, I, I was up. You know, a couple of days ago, and and if I you know wouldn't have made a decision to turn around when I did, I I would have been, you know, a subject for sure. So it's you know yeah. you got to kind of think about that. That sometimes you know sometimes it's preparation. Sometimes it's just bad luck. Yeah. Sometimes you know I mean I there we get, you know, trail runners. We get you know backpackers that have, that have hiked thousands of miles literally, and and you know you step on a rock wrong and you know roll your ankle in the wrong way in the wrong spot, and you know you're you're calling us. So it's not. You know, it's not necessarily people that are ignorant or, you know, or intentionally stupid. It's just, you know, sometimes people just have bad days. So, yep. Yeah. So you finish up these quests overseas, you get back. It sounds like you've got this newfound appreciation for kind of the alpine scene and the wilderness. When do, when does the, or I should say, how does the transition into, okay, now I want to take this seriously. I want to get into that. Search and rescue world. Where yeah. does that come in? Yeah. So, um, you know, at, at C, I was at CU and I was in a, um, a teacher education, uh, postgraduate uh, teacher education, education program. And um, Rocky Mountain Rescue Group, who is the, the, the search and rescue team um, that's responsible for, for Boulder County, often at the time, and I'm not sure if they still do, I think they might had kind of a, a recruiting sort of event. I think they had a, one of their, their vehicles and, and um, they, I think they had a litter, you know, out, which is for maybe listeners that don't know, kind of a, a technical sort of a stretcher that, uh, that, you know, you can kind of 
drag down a mountain face or you know put a wheel on it or you know, it's kind of an interesting sort of setup but i was kind of you know fascinated and and kind of got to got to chat with, with some of the guys and um i went to a training um an, an rmr or rocky mountain rescue group training and it was a high angle um, evacuation and a high angle is among the the most technical things that um, that, that a, a mountain search and rescue team does. It's, it's what does that mean exactly? So a, a high angle is um, is you know technically it's it's going to be you know a, a, an extraction or, or somebody is injured on a high angle you know mountain face right. So ninety degrees you know like it, it a climber a you know okay. um, a, a repeller gets you know the rope stuck repelling down. A flat iron um you know it's it's a it's a pretty high consequence pretty high you know pretty serious operation i mean it's it's um a, a climber is you know is stranded is is injured they've taken a lead fall they've um you know they've gotten struck by lightning they're hypothermic and they're on the wall um with no way out okay um so that's what we call a high angle so this is someone that is not just on a standard hiking trail right. twisted their ankle on a rock yep they are in fact mid climb yep. maybe on the second pitch sure 15th pitch yeah okay. yeah 15th i mean it could it could be you know it could be 20 feet off the ground um it could be 2,000 feet off the ground got it um so you know what you're referring to hike a hiker you know rolls their ankle that's what we call a low angle Okay. Um, so there's like a low angle, you know, or what we call like a scree evacuation. Um, and, you know, that's still technical. We're still using ropes. We're still using, you know, anchor systems and, and descent control devices. But a, but a high angle is, um, you know, like you said, a, you know, a climber stranded on the, on, on the face. So, you know, normally in, in that scenario, it would be um, a, a rescuers going from the top and lowering a, a litter down to the subject and you know for me as like a 23 year old and i've been climbing for a while but to to watch this happening you know it was i mean these these guys it was just like a they were just a well-oiled machine it was just incredible i mean it was like a you know they were like a paramilitary you know operation like these guys just you know i mean they were all wearing you know chest packs with radios and they all had you know these giant big wall harnesses on with you know, runners and, and atrias and all sorts and Jumars and I mean, stuff that I hadn't, you know, ever seen before. It was like, these guys were like superheroes to me. It was like the coolest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. So, um, that was, you know, like I said, that was my very first interaction with, with search and rescue was seeing an RMR high angle training, which, um, Rocky mountain rescue group is, is among the most, um, you know, professional and, and well-trained, you know, groups in the state, um, if not, you know, perhaps the, the, the top, um, you know, team in the state, as far as that type of, of terrain, as far as high angle stuff. I mean, they, you know, they respond to, to calls in, at, you know, in El Dorado Canyon and, and, you know, the Flatirons and in, in Boulder Canyon. And so they go outside of, um, when you said Rocky mountain, like where they're based, they will travel out depending on the need of the mission. Um, so they don't just they're not stuck to a region. No, well, so yeah, so so yeah, interesting question. So they they do I mean they get I I I don't want to say how many calls that they get a year, but I mean it's well over 100 calls a year just in Boulder County. So so they're only responsible for Boulder County. 
um, sometimes they will get mute, what's called mutual aid calls um, to surrounding counties. So let's say, um, let's say that for, they actually get called quite a bit up to, to Rocky Mountain National Park um, because Rocky Mountain National Park has a very highly skilled team, but you know, it's, it's kind of on the smaller side. You know, they, I think they only have maybe, maybe five to seven, you know, full-time, um, you know, climbing, you know, technical search and rescue sort of qualified rangers. And then they have a bunch of, you know, other staff that are qualified as well. But is there a full-time, so there is a full-time element. See, I didn't know this. So in, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent positive. So in, 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 for example, in, in Rocky mountain national park that it, it would fall to the ranger staff. Okay. So, so the ranger staff, they have a, you know, very, very highly skilled ranger climbing ranger staff that, you know, I mean, those, some of those men and women can, you know, they can run, you know, 10 miles up the long speed yeah. trail and, you know, and climb the casual route in two hours. I mean, it's, they're, they're really, really, <laughs> so I, I'm I, immediately I, thinking Stallone and Cliffhanger. What yeah. Came his team? So actually funny. Yeah. So, so Rocky Mountain Rescue Group, um, was, was fashioned after that Yeah, in, in the movie Cliffhanger. That's awesome. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I'd say the, the very few full-time paid, I mean, but they're not full-time search and rescue technicians, right? Like the rangers. So they're, they're, you know, their job is to also make contacts with, with visitors about, you know, educating them about, you know, where to go to the bathroom in the, you know, on the wall and things like that. But, you know, if there is a call, they are the first ones that, that respond. Got it. Um, so they, they, you know, they of course are, are paid, but, um, you know, most, uh, I'd say 99% of all other, uh, SAR techs in the state are completely volunteer. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a, that's an important point. So, um, volunteer or donate people, listeners, <laughs> um, you know, if you, if you guys, I know I'm kind of jumping around, but, no, no, um, but you know, if you guys, you know, people listening, if they, um, you know, if have ever maybe found themselves, you know, in a, in a tough spot or, you know, they want to support, you know, their local team, I'd, I really encourage them to, you know, every County, um, in, in the state, well, not every County in the state. I mean, you know, in, like there's, you know, counties on the Eastern Plains that don't, you know, quite have volunteer search and rescue teams that that would fall under, you know, to, to the sheriff's department. But, um, you know, I mean, if, if people that recreate in the Denver area, um, you know, Alpine or rescue team or art, um, their jurisdiction uh, jurisdiction is Clear Creek, Jefferson and Gilpin counties. You know, so if somebody, you know, if you guys listening, take a whipper, you know, in Clear Creek County. Um, you know, need a high angle, you know, evacuation, you know, go to Alpine Rescue and, and donate to their page. If you climb in Boulder, um, if you climb in Staunton, um, you know, Alpine Rescue is, you know, is, is, are your people. So um, if you climb, you know, up in Fort Collins, like Larimer County has a great team. Um, Summit County has a, has a really, really highly skilled team. It's kind of funny, um, depending on the types of terrain in the different sort of counties, almost sort of dictates kind of county sort of specialties. So for example, like I mentioned, RMR, you know, they have, you know, what, like 3,000 climbing routes or 4,000 climbing routes in Boulder County. So, you know, they're highly skilled, high angle, you know, technicians. I mean, they can, I think they have like a, like a couple, like 800 foot ropes that they can like oh throw down red, like, like red garden wall and Eldo. And like, if somebody's on like the yeah. yellow spur, then I mean, yeah, they can, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I mean, they can, you know, they're, they're in, insanely, you know, skilled. Um, and other teams like, for example, Summit, um, super, very, very highly skilled with Avalanche. 
rescue stuff, they actually put on an avalanche clinic um, every winter. So, you know, they have a lot of avalanche calls up in um, up in Summit County, and so that you know kind of dictates their their specialty. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Our my particular team, we have kind of a an interesting mix of um, we have 14ers, and we have you know the Colorado Trail kind of goes through. We it, it's kind of an, a, a a super interesting sort of type of terrain. So my particular team, we have to kind of be trained and um, and up to speed on a lot of different you know types of, of of mountain skills. Nice. So you're on this. Just circling back, you do this kind of. There was a show and tell. Yeah. At, sorry, that was college. a total. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. see it. You see I, this I high did. angle yeah. approach, yeah. and it just amazes. It's you. just. It just was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and you know the the technical aspects of it were. You know, I mean, I'd never seen like a like a like a Z pulley. Like I'd never seen a three to one pulley, or a. I mean, I think they were doing like a five to one haul. Um, you know, it was just the. I'd never seen like climbing equipment used in this way. Um, it was just the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And and then on top of that, you you kind of put add sort of the medical aspect, and and I had always kind of been interested in, you know, that that type of you know that type of training as well. And I, so. I, I was just, it was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So um, I, I was in a, a graduate program and, and they have a, a relatively rigorous training recruitment sort of process. Um, you know, they, they, I mean, they, they kind of can be and, and they need to be because they get so many calls up there. But I was just kind of right on the, on the verge of kind of being, um, submitting my application, being voted on by the team. And then I got a job in Golden. <laughs> and I moved away out of Boulder County. And so oh, okay. people that, you know, people that live in, in Golden don't, you know, don't aren't necessarily, you know, most of the time aren't necessarily part of, of, of RMR. Mostly they're, they're part of Alpine, um, which covers, you know, the Golden area. So, um, and in, in order for me to, to, you know, go to Alpine, I would have to, would have had to basically kind of start the training process hundred percent over, which I, I, I could have done that. And, and I definitely thought about it, but at the, at the time I had just gotten a, a new teaching job and, um, you know, as a first year teacher, you don't necessarily want to, you know, go and, and go to, to, to class, you know, two or three times a week, you know, in the evenings as well. So I just kind of forgot about it for a while and, you know, had kept up my, my own personal medical training, um, you know, I've been a, a wilderness first responder, I think, since maybe 2004 or five, I think. And, uh, you know, had, had done some personal, had, you know, been in, involved in some personal, um, you know, medical stuff, climbing, um, some, some pretty traumatic, um, you know, stuff that, that, that I, that I saw that, you know, that then I, I interacted with RMR, you know, some, some stuff in El Dorado Canyon two actually two in different incidents in 2008. Um, and I, it had always kind of been in the back of my mind. And, and then finally, um, about five years ago or four years ago now, I, I moved up uh, to, uh, to a spot in the mountains. And I know that knew that, that that particular team was kind of on the smaller side and, you know, they, were I'd went to the website just randomly and they, you know, saw something that, that said, you know, we're always looking for, you know, interested and qualified people and, you know, fill out this application and we'll, we'll give you a call. Um, so I, I filled out the application and, um, went to a training and, um, here I am four years later. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. The, the, the call of, uh, the call of, of rescuing people. And that's awesome that you've, you know, it seems like you've really got that, 
that inner calling for helping people, rescuing people in these austere environments and these just unfortunate situations. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd, um, I'd, I'd always kind of been interested. I, you know, I, I don't know. There, there's one thing that, there's one incident that kind of stands out to me that um, I, I was actually with a bunch of friends in, in San Francisco and I think we were at, um, I don't know, Mission Dolores Park, which if people are familiar with San Francisco is, I don't know if it still is kind of a big hangout during the day, but people love to, you know, go and it has this, you know, beautiful view of the city and people love to, you know, kind of have and have some drinks and kind of chill and we we were hanging out and and there was this horrific bicycle accident um probably like 50 yards i mean there's like hundreds of people that that witnessed this and the two people that collided were like very very clearly like like they needed help like both of them were on the ground and nobody did anything like i i it was like insane to me like i was like sitting there like looking i was like oh there's like a hundred people between me and them like somebody's going to do something right mm. and nobody got up was it like, one, one of those situations where people are just filming with uh, their cell phones well this was i think this was probably back in back in like 2011 2010 or 11 so i guess maybe the prevalence of you know i mean i think people were but i mean i just remember all these people had their 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 you know hands over their mouths and they were just just shocked and you know then this kid had just was just covered in blood like i mean blood was just and nobody did a thing and so i you know ran over and and um i can remember this like it was like yesterday it's like insane but i was like barking orders at people like like one of them was was like kind of fine was just kind of like bloodied up but the other one was like he needed to go to the hospital like i mean he he was like not all there with it and neither of them had helmets on i mean it was mm. so i i was just like you know if if it's not going to be like me like who you know like who like and and that was like a very sh sort of almost like a, a kind of a shock to me that you know that that there were so many people that you know that were there that that could have helped that didn't mm -hmm. so i didn't do anything like i literally just like told this girl to call 911 and she was like sitting there crying um, and I was like trying to like hold this kid's C-spine in the middle of the road. And these people were like screaming at me to like get out of the road. <laughs> like oh. it, it was just crazy. So, um, that, you know, that, that moment, like in 2010, 11, like, you know, like basically sort of, you know, kind of told me that like, maybe I, you know, kind of have a, um, I don't know. Like, I don't, maybe I don't think. Yeah. No, nah, I don't, I guess I don't get, I, I do actually kind of get freaked out by the side of blood not gonna lie um like there are there are some things that i just like cannot like i just have to look away like <laughs> um but you can work through it yeah you know and i think about that a lot in terms of you know just in that situation there's you know you got whatever dozens of people kind of looking at this stressful incident that just occurred this critical incident mm -hmm. you know by all measures and I think about that from the first responder aspect is there's certain people that have the ability and not necessarily the technical capability, but they have the mental ability to work through it. And it sounds like you were the one who arrived late. You were the one that actually stepped up. You started actually taking command. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you, you gave orders, hey, you call 911. And you actually started doing something, yeah. you know, and a lot of people, they just get frozen in time. 
you know, um, they just get frozen. You know, one of the things that, you know, we talk about in the military is um, the OODA loop. So, you know, this process that goes on in our mind during critical incidents. And it's observe, orient, decide, act. And a lot of people, they get stuck in it. They can observe it, but then they freeze. But you were able to observe it, orient yourself, you made a decision, and you took physical action. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like the perfect the perfect candidate for something like search and rescue yeah. is someone who can actually respond, you know? So that's awesome. That's very uh it's very pre- prevalent moment and kind of I'm sure it gave you a little bit of a little bit of confirmation about your capabilities and your mindset and your mental strength. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I I kind of realized that I have a you know, I have some, you know, some, some skills. I have, you know, these first aid skills I have, I was looking at, you know, my basement, I had a kind of a, an entire basement full of, you know, outdoor crap <laughs> that, that I was using, but was I really using it? Um, and so I, I just kind of, you know, mountain, mountain search and rescue really kind of fit this and, you know, continues to fit this, you know, super, kind of niche sort of like you know kind of need for me to kind of like you know go outside and be outdoors but also you know help people like also kind of give back to you know give back to the community um you know like some people have the gear and they might have the mindset but maybe they don't you know have the time or money to to get the medical stuff or maybe Mm -hmm. they have the medical stuff but they don't have, and maybe they have the gear, but maybe they don't really have the drive to like hike in the rain and the snow all night to like somebody that's probably going to be ungrateful anyway when you get to them. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it's funny, like sometimes, yeah, sometimes we've like had some like ungrateful subjects and it's kind of like a fascinating sort of thing that, to like think about. But um, I don't know, that, that doesn't happen that often. But when it does, it's kind of jars your, your whole world. <laughs> Um, could you um, could you shed some light on both your initial training when you got on the team, mm-hmm. and then kind of the continuous training that goes throughout? Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, just kind of thinking on the you know on, on just on the way over here. I mean, you know, if you're pretty serious about it, you kind of have to maintain this level of fitness throughout throughout the year. You know, I mean. I, I kind of used to be, you know, sort of like a, a spring and summer only kind of, you know, I mean, I, I, I'd love to, you know, backcountry ski and things like that. But as far as, I mean, it was kind of more of a casual, you know, recreational thing. I mean, it obviously still is very recreational and, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not a professional in, in any, in any way, but, you know, I mean, in order to, to feel good about responding to certain types of calls, I mean, you do have to kind of maintain a, a level of training and a level of fitness that's, that sometimes can be pretty demanding, um, you know, to, to maintain that, especially if you have a, a full-time job and a family, you know, to, to maintain, you know, uphill, uphill fitness is kind of a challenge sometimes. But um, as far as initial training, so, you know, they, they definitely want to know that, um, you know, you have some, you know, very basic technical skills as far as knots, um, as far as, you so know, we're talking simple... about climbing skills, just to be clear. Uh, so yeah, we can start there. Yeah. So, okay. so climbing skills. So okay. what, I mean, what teams are looking for is not, you know, five, 12 climbers and they're not necessarily looking for, you know, 
badass, you know, 60 degree Kular skiers. Like they're not, we're not really looking for, um, you know, badasses necessarily. I mean, it's great if you are, but really what teams are looking for is a, is the kind of the, a well-rounded, you know, sort of a, a well-rounded mountain person that, you know, has mountain sense that, that, you know, understands mountain weather at a, at least a very basic, you know, level that, you know, has some super basic sort of understanding of, um, you know, kind of what it takes to maybe go on a, you know, five to 10 mile hike, you know, just stuff like that, right? Just general, general sort of outdoor, you know, knowledge really um, is, is kind of, you know, pe people that, you know, initially that we're kind of looking for. We can build on, you know, as long as you kind of have like, as long, I mean, you know, we, we've had people show up at, you know, all day trainings, like in the winter that will like show up in jeans, right? Like show up in jeans and sneakers and like a Jansport backpack with like, with like a, you know, a, a, a you know, an eight, eight ounce thing of water. Right. And so like, <laughs> oh my God. you know, and so, yeah. So like, if that is what you're showing up to for like a, a you know, a, 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 a all day snow training, you know, and those people often like kind of self-select, like, you know, they, they self-select themselves out of the training and off the team. Um, you know, but, but it's, you know, it's stuff like that, that, you know, obviously like you probably wouldn't show up to like a training, like in jeans, like it's just, you know, little stuff common like sense. that. Common sense. Exactly. Like if you have basic mountain common sense, like you're a great candidate for like to be a, a support person on like on a search and rescue team. So you don't have to go there with you know, 15 certifications from Colorado Mountain School. No, or, no. Or, I mean, know, it's great. Be a 514 climber or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if you have that stuff, that's fantastic. But, you know, but I mean, what the a great foundational, you know, search and rescue technician is, you know, somebody that, that you know, basically just has kind of is well-rounded. You know, maybe they, you know, they've, they, maybe they, you know, they ski or they snowshoe, right? They maybe have some, some winter experience, you know, that maybe they have some camping, some backpacking experience. They have some, maybe they have some climbing experience. Maybe they have some technical rope work, you know, but, but we have, you know, great members on our team that, you know, had never even picked up a climbing rope before they, they joined the team. And, and they're, you know, some of, you know, some of our top technical, you know, re rescue technicians. So, you know, it really kind of all depends. Now, you know, from there, it's, you know, we kind of just start to build on, you know, build on, on skills. And it's kind of, you know, what a lot of teams kind of what you want to, to specialize in. So a lot of the bigger teams might have, you know, if you're a big backcountry skier, um, they might have like a snow, like a, on our team, what we call the winter Alpine team, um, which, you know, is kind of like sort of the winter strike team. So, you know, if there's an avalanche, um, we're kind of like the hasty response team to, to, you know, to any avalanche calls. Um, you know, if they're, um, we have a, a, a very popular ice climbing, um, well, not really, it, it was very popular about a decade ago. I don't really hear too many people going to it anymore, but um, we have a, a relatively popular ice climbing, you know, venue in our, our district or in our jurisdiction that, you know, if somebody, you know, eats it off, um, you know, off, off the, the climbs up there and we have to, you know, do a low angle uh, you know, snow slide, you know, down, down to an ambulance. Um, you know, the winter Alpine team does that. We also have a technical rescue team, which is, um, just, you know, sort of rock, like just technical, like, like I, you know, mentioned the high angle stuff. They might just, you know, specialize in the high angle technical rock, you know, stuff. And that's, you know, all they train for. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, might, 
you know, go to a couple trainings in the winter time, or, you know, they might go to a couple ground search trainings, but, you know, maybe they're bread and butter and, you know, maybe they're the leaders on, you know, those trainings and they're the ones who train, you know, maybe the, the people that are just starting out how to, you know, run the, the descent control device or what we call a clutch. It's kind of like a, basically a Grigri only on steroids. Okay. Um, it's, it's made by um, uh, this amazing company, CMC, and they, they have just incredible, you know, products and, um, so, you know, but some of these, some of this stuff is, you know, you, you need a day to, to kind of train with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, some, it, it kind of depends what your interest is, what your skill set is. You know, there's people that um, are just expert trackers that like their bread and butter are ground searches and they love that and they love, you know, pounding the ground and their bread, like there's people that, you know, that just respond to searches. Like if, like if we get a call for, you know, I don't know, some, 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 I don't know, kid that's stranded on a rock face. They're like, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't, those aren't my skills, right? Like I just want to, you know, I'm just trained at tracking or I'm just trained at, or, you know, we have, we have dog, like a dog strike team, right? So like, you know, people that specialize in, in canine handling, search and rescue with canines. I mean, we have a, well, our, our team is kind of just starting to, to get into drones, um, so, you know, that aviation aspect, right? There's people that just specialize in like, you know, helicopter operations and, you know, there's all these classes and um, incident command, you know, classes. There's people that just focus on incident command, right? So like maybe they, you know, maybe they're, they don't want to, you know, be the ground pounder. They don't want to, you know, be hanging off a, on a rope, you know, hundred feet off the ground. They, they want to be in front of a computer, right? Like their skills are, um, you know, geospatial mapping, right? Like with, you know, SAR topo or Cal topo, right? So there's all these different sort of skill sets that can kind of come together on a team. And that's, that's what I love hearing right now is it sounds like everyone's got their, their niche. You know, it's kind of one of those, um, you know, one of the terms that I like to say, say in my industry is, you know, be a, a jack of all trades and a master of some, you know? And <laughs> yeah. it sounds like, it sounds like that's what it is, is your team coming together and filling in gaps mm-hmm. because realistically, as amazing as it would be to say, hey, just get a team together and have the masters of everything, that's not realistic. You know, you're not going to have someone or you're not going to have an entire team that is an expert in all facets. It's not humanly possible. Time, resources, money, these are all factors that specialize. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, but be pretty good. Be exposed to everything, you yep. know, like you were saying earlier, be able to handle yourself on a mountain at a basic sense, but you have the rest of your team. You don't have to worry about failing because someone else can handle this facet. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you need an incident commander, you know, maybe you need someone that is just good at command control, leadership, setting up comms. Hey, mm-hmm. you guys all work together. I've got your coordination, mm-hmm. you know, so that's yeah. awesome that you guys are really the definition of an actual team. Yeah, we, you know? we really are. It's really, that's, I mean, I'm glad that you, you know, bring that up. Like, you know, there, there might be, you know, people and personalities that, you know, on the team that, you know, that, you know, that they might, you know, certain people might have certain, might not have certain skill sets that other people might have. They might, you know, personality, but you know, it's, it's funny, like when there's a call out and there's a missing person, you know, we, we kind of, you know, put all that aside and, and we kind of come together and, and it's really kind of inspiring and, and really, you know, super cool to see. Um, we also have, so on our team, we have, you know, field members, field, you know, active members. And we also have what we call associate members. These are people that are not necessarily, you know, 
shouldering a backpack and going out in the field. These are people that are, you know, maybe sticking around, maybe they're, um, they're flagging, uh, you know, uh, ingress uh, routes to the trailhead. Um, you know, maybe they are going and doing, um, you know, fil filtering water for us, you know, doing water runs. I mean, some, you know, sometimes we get to these trailheads and they're in, you know, they're on in the middle of, you know, middle of nowhere and, and we don't have any water, right? Mm -hmm. So like we carry, you know, these big giant, you know, water fil filtration systems. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, getting, you know, food for, you know, for the subjects and for the team when they come out. So, you know, we have, I mean, it, literally, I mean, it, we, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, we have, you know, people that, you know, would have a, a tough time, you know, walking up a flight of stairs, but they, you know, their particular skill set, you know, um, we have associate members that are, that are drone pilots. We have associate members that are, that are medical people that, that teach, um, they teach all of our, you know, medical classes, you know, they, they will never, you know, be hanging off the side of a cliff, right? And they don't want to, yeah, right? And you don't need them to because you have people for it. Exactly. That. Yeah. So, so it, you know, like you said, we have all these different kind of skill sets and all these people coming together. And, you know, I mean, I, our, my team is, is you know, our team is kind of a, a midsize, you know, kind of a midsize team. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually in, in just incredible to see you know, a team, you know, even, even small teams come together and, and, you know, large, well-oiled teams like Summit, like RMR, like Alpine. I mean, th these, when, when these teams come together, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's like a symphony of, you know, of teamwork and, and I mean, it, they function like a paramilitary operation and for a bunch of volunteers to come together and do that in their for a bunch spare of, time, in their spare time, I mean, for a yeah. bunch of, you know, engineers and nurses and teachers and you know and and cops and you know to come together and and to kind of just you know all put their skills together and, and you know toward a common cause it's it's really inspiring it's really cool to see and um i'm really you know it's it's an amazing thing to be a part of w regardless of your skill set right like the guy you know that the guy that operated the drone um, you know, we have as much to thank for him as the, you know, the, the guy that went to get the pizza to the guy that actually found the subject to the IC, you know, to the site, you know, guy or, you know, who, you know, kind of coordinated everything. Like everybody has the, their pizza. The, the, the guy that went to get the pizza? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like to eat for the search and rescue Yeah, team? some, you know, st stuff like that, man. I mean, you know, some stuff like it. that is really important, you yeah. know, for morale and, yeah. um, you know, when, when people get out, you know, especially of a multi-day you know, multi-day mission out of the backcountry, and you know they walk out of a trailhead, and you know they they have somebody you know giving them a, a pizza. I mean that that just changes your whole life. A hundred percent. No, I can I can a hundred percent relate. Yeah. And it's funny because if you haven't been in those situations, you know it's like those simple pleasures in life are just exponentially multiplied after you get out of a strenuous situation. It's mm -hmm. like you know that piece of pizza or coming home and having your first shower. Or right. coming home and actually sleeping in a bed. Yes. You know, or, or yeah, we're getting in like a like a, a vehicle or and like you know feeling, <laughs> feeling you know it moving your body moving without you actually like doing having having to do it yep. do anything that that's like the best feeling in the world after like a twenty mile day. So so you mentioned that everyone's got their their specialties and everything like that coming on. You got to have a basic mountain sense. Is there an actual onboarding training program or is it kind of just all right you're on the team now and as time goes on you're going to pick up these different skills yeah or is it like a formal all right for the next two weeks 
here's what we're doing. Yeah, so different teams um, do it differently. So some teams have a very formal, um, in some cases it is a year long process, a year long might be once a week that you're in a classroom um, or maybe you're, you know, you're working on different skills. Maybe, you know, for six weeks, you're working on technical rope work and anchors. Then the next six weeks, it's, you know, ground search techniques. And then the, the next six weeks, it's, um, you know, avalanche and snow, you know, snow work, you know, wh whatever it is. Certain teams have different, you know, requirements. Um, my team is, it's basically a list um, of, about, I don't know, 20 different sort of skills. And normally it takes people about three months um, to, you know, to, to kind of do that. So when I joined, we had kind of this mentor system where you were assigned a mentor and they kind of worked with you to, you know, to kind of demonstrate those skills. We actually now have kind of gone to kind of a formal class. And I think it's a 12 week class, it's in the, it's in the fall. Um, and I think it's maybe two weekend or two weeknights a month and then two weekend days, um, week, week, weekend days a, a month. And so, you know, people drive, you know, drive up and, um, you know, different work on working on different skills. I mean, so it might be, you know, one day might be like a comms and a um, navigation day. So, you know, you might, we might just be working on radio commands, um, how our radios work in the county, um, how VHF works, uh, as opposed to 800 megahertz, um, you know, how, you know, how to call, like how the, the limitations of, of each of those systems. Um, Sartopo, right? So Sartopo has, I mean, I've been, I, I mean, I've, you know, very, I mean, I was sort of very loosely affiliated, you know, way back in 2004, 2005, but, you know, I've been very much affiliated and, and in kind of the SAR world for the past couple of years. And SARTOBO has revolutionized search and rescue in the world. What is that exactly? Is this a tool only for SAR or is this no. commercial market? So commercial market, so CalTOPO um, is, the, is the commercially available website so if you don't know caltopo anybody listening if they're big hikers or backpackers even climbers so it's an it's a it's a very simple website and they have I, i'm not exactly sure we have a, a guy on the a guy on the team that that knows a lot about it but basically um all these different mapping data sets are open source i believe so you so what this website does is it basically kind of takes all these open source mapping data sets and it makes them accessible all on one website. So you can toggle between a forest, you know, let's say you're looking at a map of um, Mount Evans. You can, you know, toggle toggle between a map, a forest service map. And then with a click, you know, with a, a click, you can then go to, um, you know, an imagery, not not uh, Google Earth, because, you know, I don't know, it's, it's um, slightly different, but, you know, a, a, a different, an actual, you know, satellite image of, and then you can go to, um, like an AI generated uh, map with, you know, t with, with the, the topography sort of shaded in. I, I shouldn't say AI generated, it's not AI generated, but you know, there's, um, I think like it's like a LIDAR system, like a LIDAR mapping tool that, you know, that will give you like shading, topographic shading. So there's all these different tools that you can do. It's basically almost like, like Google Maps only on steroids. You can, um, you know, draw you can draw lines um, and you can sort of look at, you know, elevation gain. You can look at, you know, sun exposure. You can look at um, a very important one that a lot of listeners might might be familiar with is um, slope slope angle shading in the winter. Oh, wow. So it'll actually, yeah, so in the wintertime, if you look at a map, anything between, I think it's, 
well, any it'll it'll shade anything, but um, but especially you know prime avalanche uh, you know conditions between about twenty and thirty five degrees, twenty five and thirty five degrees, it'll very clearly show up on the map. And so if you're cruising along, and it, and there's an app. So the amazing thing is, is for for a search and rescue ground searcher, it can you can turn it on on your phone, and even without cell service, it will track you on a team shared map. So okay. we'll go up to the cloud. And the incident commander, whether they're sitting in their, you know, sitting in their house, you know, with a cup of coffee, or they're sitting in the in the truck, you know, at the trailhead, they can literally see these little dots. Well, theoretically, they can see little dots move. Sometimes it always does, doesn't always work, but they can see little dots moving on the map, and they can see exactly where people are. Um, and you know, you can you know put waypoints and be like, you know, here's a clue. I just found this guy's, you know, hat. Or I just found this bottle of vodka that, you know, we heard this guy had, right? Like, it's just this fully integrated mapping tool that is, it's, it's really, truly incredible. I mean, I mean, you know, when I, when I learned, I mean, you know, learning with a map and compass and navigating that is super, super important. But like, I mean, just personally, from a personal perspective, like when I go out on a hike, I mean, like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that I still don't bring my map and compass but like the 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 resources that are available on this website are just are just pretty incredible so this is a website app now so when you go out on a hike i just want to clarify the yeah. difference between caltopo and sartopo yeah so um there's a professional so so anybody can actually pay for like the professional version so which is um, sartopo that's the pro version um it's no so it's you know what i'm i'm gonna get in trouble here because the the naming but it's it's called it's called caltopo okay so like the but i think like the professional i think maybe maybe it was sartopo at one time and i i actually i'm, I'm not i'm just gonna stop talking because i'm like not exactly <laughs> okay. sure the difference but any anybody any lay person can buy the professional version and get the slope angle shading and like i think if you pay i'm not exactly sure what but if you go out and especially like if you travel off trail or if you, you know, especially, you know, backcountry skiers that want that slope angle, it's, it's pretty worth like paying the professional, the professional amount. I know that one of the preferred programs, and you can give me your opinion on this because I don't know anything about the Caltobo. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people in the outdoor hiking community, yeah. they use Gaia. Sure. Yeah. Um, are those comparable? Yeah. Like in terms of function? Totally. And what you're trying yeah. To yeah. So. Um, I, I would say that like Gaia is more um, more of like a of like a navigational sort of app, right? Like mm -hmm. you know, Gaia will be like you know like will will tell you you know exactly how far you know you are from some waypoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like it'll like CalTopo doesn't necessarily do that. It's more sort of kind of an overview. Like it'll it, you can I, I'd say Gaia is more user friendly, probably from like a hiker. Like I want to follow this trail up this fourteener. Probably, mm -hmm. um, like if but but you can download like G what is it GPX files you can download mm -hmm. those files into CalTopo so mm, okay you know I, I I'm not I, I'm I'm not exactly I don't want to necessarily like say you know but but I mean Gaia is is a, is a great perfect option and and I mean from a search and rescue technician perspective like the any <laughs> any apps and any you know additional navigational aids that people can use the better. Right. I mean, as long as people know how to use them exactly. and like, you know, they and they, you know, know possibly like they have, you know, redundancies and they, you know, they have a sense of backup. They they're not just like staring at their phone the entire time. Right. Like yeah. they have like they look up once in a while because we get those calls as well. Like people that literally like they passed 
you know, three trail junctions. They've like crossed a road and like our dispatchers will be talking to them on the phone and they're like, where are you? Like, what road did you cross? Like how far, when, when, when was that? And how, they have no they, clue. No, they're like, well, my screen says. So, <laughs> like, so I actually want to get into that a little bit as, as one of our, our uh, talking points is what, what would you say is, what is getting people in trouble the most that, activates your team and just in general SAR teams throughout what is it that is happening is it mostly people getting lost is it catastrophic injuries and how are these people getting in contact with you a couple couple different questions there um so in general um we do not get a lot of totally catastrophic injuries um I, I, let me, let me back up. I mean, we get, we get the gamut, right? So we get called out for people that get lost hiking. We get called out for kids that wander away from their home. We get called out for, um, people that drive up from Denver that eat like 10 grams of mushrooms and then they like wander <laughs> off from their campsite on a little vision quest <laughs> um yeah yeah we get um i mean we we get calls from um unfortunately from you know from from family members from dementia and alzheimer's you know patients we it, it really it, it completely runs the gamut um sadly we get um a lot of like mental health and and unfortunately sadly a lot of like suicide stuff um you know that that's one thing that I wasn't really prepared for necessarily is um, is that so I mean uh, you know a, a lot of the f- of the fatalities that I've you know the, the recoveries that I've been on sadly have been suicides mm-hmm. um, and that aspect is something that I was not you know really <clears throat> not prepared for uh, you know to to see to see kind of the the final you know the kind of the final stage. Um, you know, in that way and, and, you know, to, to kind of see the family, that's, that's, you know, pretty tough. So that aspect is, is, was, was, um, you know, surprising, but as far as, you know, back to your actual, you know, question, um, it, it's, it's just, it, it it's just a, a throw of the dice. I mean, you know, we, it, it could be, it could be a, you know, a, a cold, somebody that knows exactly where they are, but, you know, maybe their feet are cold and they can't walk. Um, and they don't want to risk, you know, getting more cold or injuring themselves more. Um, you know, it's, we get calls about people that might be 200 yards from their car that, you know, they went off trail to go mushroom hunting or, you know, they went off trail to, you know, go, go find their dog and they, you know, they can't find them, you know, can't find the trail. I mean, it's, it, it really is, um, you know, a a pretty diverse, you know, pretty diverse range. I, I mean, I'd say like my favorite are, I mean, the, the calls that are the most rewarding are sort of like what I would call like the recreation, you know, recreationalist calls, right? Like the people that are actually out there, you know, kind of having fun and like doing what I would do, right? Like the people that are on the Colorado Trail, right? Like those those are the, you know, the the, the, the calls that I like drop everything and I'm like, you know, like I, I, I you know, break traffic laws to like get to the trailhead to like mm-hmm. to, to try to find um, uh, you know, I mean, that's not to say that, you know, other, I, I don't have a sense of urgency for other calls, but, you know, you, you'd be surprised, you know, there's search and rescue teams around the state do a lot of responding to, 
Um, you know, things like, you know, I got to an argument at this campground and I, you know, my boyfriend stormed off, you know, my boyfriend who had just drank, you know, 15 beers, you know, fishing on, you know, on the reservoir, you know, I, I looked at him wrong and he stormed off and that was five hours ago and he still hasn't come back, you know? So it's like, you know, I mean, obviously like there's a sense of urgency with those calls too, but, um, you know, we, we get a lot of those calls, like a lot of those calls that, um, you know, that people wander off, people get in, you know, arguments with their spouses. We get, you know, kid, we get uh, kids sometimes will, will run away, um, you know, and those are very, very, uh, you know, those calls are, are yeah. very urgent. Especially um, kids. I mean, they don't, they don't realize how easy it is to get turned around in the forest, in the mountains. Yeah. They just, you know, it's, and some of them you know, don't once want to you be... lose that line of sight. Yeah. And you spin a little bit. Yeah. And some of them don't want to be caught. Some of them don't want to be found. Right. <laughs> those are, those are, those are the most interesting. So yeah, I, there's, we, there's an interesting story. Um, one call, I don't know, a couple of years back, uh, air is a, um, uh, party, literally a party, um, from Denver that got an Airbnb up in my district and, uh, through just like this rager. And I think there were some some psychoactive substances, like some pretty hardcore stuff probably. And this guy just got into an argument and just walked away. And this was at like three in the morning. And so everybody, I guess, like, I don't know, went to sleep. Everybody just kind of laughed it off and said, oh, you know, he's just being him, whatever. Um, and so everybody like got up the next morning at like eight, eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And so-and-so, you know, wasn't, still wasn't back. And uh, turns out he like, so we get called up and I'm, uh, doing what's called a wagon wheel like search pattern so I'm like starting kind of from the point last seen and I'm kind of going in if you can kind of imagine like the, the spokes on a wheel so I'm like going kind of out 50 yards and then kind of going back and um, kind of kind of going in 360 degrees and, and trying to trying to cover turns out the guy was in a tree he he had climbed a tree and was still under the influence of whatever it was like at 9 a.m the next morning and thought that like we were out to get him and so like, you know, heard the crackle of our radios and heard, you know, and like we were doing audibles, which are like, we're like screaming his name. And like, he, he thought that like we were the police or he thought that we were like, you know, the aliens coming to get him. So he was up in the tree and like, I think I had probably like walked directly under him. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it's stuff like that that you have to kind of chuckle yeah. at. But I mean, especially people that are hide actively hiding from you that's yeah. got to make it 10 times yeah sometimes difficult. it's a little now i can sort now you know a year or two later i can sort of laugh about it but you know like when i heard that i was like wait a second i like took time away from my family to like go and look for that guy and like he just couldn't handle his drugs like mm -hmm. that's just annoying you know like <laughs> um it that it's actually super common like people people do draw like they go up into the mountains and like they rent they go to a campsite or they rent an Airbnb or, you know, there's certain, there's up in the mountains, like there's a particular brand of mountain folk that, um, you know, maybe move up to certain parts of the mountains so they can kind of like be away from that. And they do things like that. And, mm -hmm. um, and they don't like, like, so all of our vehicles, like it says, like in big, in big letters, it says like search and rescue, but then like a, a, either above it or below it says like sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. So like they'll see, you know, like our vehicles are like branded as like the, with the, sh and then, you know, we have lights on the top and we walk around with, you know, chest packs and radios and, you know, we crackle, our radios crackle. And so for, you know, somebody that doesn't like the cops that has, you know, an aversion to law enforcement, I mean, mm -hmm. we run into that sometimes. Um, I mean, I, you know, some, sometimes like on searches, like 
I one time I was looking for this 16 year old runaway um, an individual and uh, walked up on this residence and this guy came out with a shotgun and said don't you take another step forward and I said sir sir and I pulled up my hands and I had a, a, a shirt that said you know a big bright you know orange shirt that said search and rescue on I said sir search and rescue I'm looking for and this was like this kid's neighbor and I said yeah. you know so repeated the kid's name he said I know who you are I know who I know who you are get off my property wow so it, I mean, Not sometimes, friendly, huh? no, no, sometimes, I mean, people just, they don't care. They don't care if you're looking for, you know, some, you know, looking for some kid, they, they want you off, you know, it's sometimes that's a, that's a little annoying, but for the most part, people are amazing. Like people come right out and they, you know, they help you, they give you, you know, water and food. I mean, it's, it's super amazing. I was just on a call two days ago and driving around in a vehicle and people were, you know, very, very, you know helpful and appreciative of what we were doing so that's the especially certain parts of, of of our county there's certain aspects of, of that but um, on the whole it's it's amazing and people are just great when it comes to that stuff so so we started kind of broaching this uh, a little bit earlier but speaking of calls and everything and you guys getting activated what i guess maybe what percentage of situations would you say is you guys getting activated getting this call and you get there, you, you know, you fix everything, assess the situation. And it's a situation to where this group or person was just grossly underprepared. Oh, that's a good question. Because um, I mean, most, I mean, mo I mean, so most of our calls that are, you know, what I kind of like to call our recreationalists, right? So our hikers are, mm -hmm. Our, most of it comes down to some form of not being prepared. So not being prepared, for example, a big a big issue we have every year is when it start is roughly about the last two weeks in April and then the month of May. So down in Denver, down here, it gets it's beautiful, right? It's mm -hmm. and it even you know up up in up in the hills, it's you know even in the foothills up in Conifer, it's nice. And people get kind of this cabin fever and they say, I'm going to go hiking mm -hmm. or I'm going to go for a backpack. And, you know, they get their, sh they, you know, they get their boots on and they don't take, you know, into consideration, right? Up at 9,000 feet, there's still two feet of snow on the ground, three feet of snow. Um, so we run into that a lot. Um, footwear is, is a, oftentimes like in the spring um, and in the fall is, and, in the, and in the winter um, is, is a big issue. You know, cold feet, wet feet. Um, people do not like hiking in wet feet or cold feet. They will, they will press their you know SOS button on their on their in reach. They'll they'll dial dial nine one one, you know a, a lot if if they're cold, um, especially if they're if their if their feet are cold. So not necessarily debilitated. They're just <clears throat> uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, there's more than a fair amount of calls that you know that come in, and yeah, the people are just kind of simply uncomfortable, mm. and they yeah they're just kind of cold and they're scared. You know, and a big one is, is just being scared, right? You know, it's getting dark. Yes. Huge one. So, like, I, I'd say probably 75% of our calls um, happen. I could probably go back and look at, you know, my phone. But I'd say probably well over two-thirds of our calls probably come in between the hours of about 6 p.m. and about 8 p.m. Because people start to realize, right, their car is stuck. That's mm. another one we get. We get a lot of these, um, you know, peep, these four-wheelers jeep folks a lot a lot sorry if you're from texas or from arkansas or from oklahoma listening but we get a lot of these folks from 
you know, from the South and, and they have these souped up Jeeps and they, you know, they think that they're going to do these passes in winter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they, I'm like, dude, that's not like you just need to, you know, and that's, you know, not being prepared, right? Yeah. They didn't, they didn't read, you know, they like, they didn't read everything. They're like, oh, four by four over to, you know, I can make, I can make it to Leadville. I can make it to Breck from here. I can make it to, to, yeah. to, to, to Minturn. And they're like, no, you can't dude. A lot of times those, those vehicles. And I mean, I, listen, I'm a, I'm in the Jeep community. Oh yeah. So yeah, I saw your Jeep. Yeah. There you go, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Jeep lover, but, um, a lot of times they have the ability of inspiring overconfidence, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of that false sense of security. And, you know, one of the, you know, one of the first things I did when, when uh, you know, I joined joined the Jeep community, as it were, is I'm immediately looking at okay, what's my recovery mm-hmm. training? Yeah, and I started dive, I started doing super deep dives into the world of recovery and everything. And Good. okay, thank what, you. What do I need? <laughs> and you know, spending I mean, just hours and hours of what I call YouTube University. Yeah. Of okay, what do I do in this situation? What about this one? What yep. if I don't have a second Jeep with me? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I gonna? self-rescue and everything and in the climbing community and and maybe it's just a thing from you know my my early expeditions um how those were kind of very eye-opening you know kind of kind of like i was telling you on some of these hikes that i used to do without the experience is kind of thinking in retrospect i can't believe i made it out of there yeah what if this would have happened i would have been done right you know and so it kind of inspires that um that self-rescue mentality for the rest of your life right in terms of i need to be prepared yep um and i think that you know you kind of mentioned it earlier you're someone that likes to be more prepared than the average person and then you have people that you know go the next level and i think it's all about that spectrum you know everyone knows that that zombie apocalypse guy you know mm-hmm. like that extreme extreme far end you know they've got they've got a bunker with eight years worth of canned goods and stuff in their basement, whatever. But I think there's a reasonable place to say, okay, what could happen? What are some contingencies that could happen in there? And so even if I'm going out for a day hike, you know, and the weather is looking beautiful, I'm bringing a poncho, I'm I'm bringing MRE food, you know, mm-hmm. just to you know, what if I get stuck or something? Sure. I'm I'm definitely bringing an IFAC, a, a medical kit. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely bringing one of those. Um, I'm definitely bringing a beacon, you know. And you mentioned inReach, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's amazing how many people don't have inReach. Yeah. Or well, some sort of beacon. Yeah. Some sort of beacon because you go out there, you don't have cell phone service. Sometimes you do, mm-hmm. but in a lot of places, you know, you reach a certain point. Like I climb a lot in Boulder Canyon. I know the exact spot in Boulder Canyon where when, when I pass this sign, cell phone's gone. And right. I see the bars eliminate. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, I've got my inReach. I can just push a button in that catastrophe situation, and I have a way out. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even something as simple as a roll of athletic tape, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, you know people, people, if you roll an ankle... You know, I mean, I, people that just, I, I think people, you know, experience is people just don't really, they don't kind of understand all the different, you know, possible contingencies, right? Like a blister could, I mean, that could p- potentially make somebody immobile, right? Yeah. Like there have been, you know, very, very complicated rescues in, in the United States due to, 
you know, a, a guy with a heel blister, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, that, you know, if, if you don't have that experience and, and, you know, you don't really necessarily know that that could be potentially really, you know, very, very dangerous. I mean, and like, I, I think you've got to be cognizant of your group too, or whatever type of people that you're hiking with or that are around, even if you just come across them, not everyone, unfortunately has that ability mm-hmm. to just, Hey, it's a blister or it's cold feet or it's a sprained ankle. Just, just tough it out. You, you got to get down. Not everyone has the ability to tap into that extreme survival mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd also, I mean, I, I'd say that, um, you know, I, I mean, I the, the first thing, you know, that, that I think people should definitely do is to, you know, rely on themselves, right? Like, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting if you visit, you know, National Park, a lot of times at the trailhead, it'll say, you know, your safety is your responsibility, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I think that's really hundred percent. Um, yeah. Not I, relying on, and you know, it, yeah. and, uh, whether it's police, fire department, uh, SAR, mm-hmm. not relying on them. They're there, mm-hmm. but it's always going to take time. Right. And I don't think those people always have time in every situation, right. whether it be exposure or injury. Yeah. Although, you know, in, in certain places it is, it makes me feel really good um you know at being in in the sar world you know i mean I, I i climb a lot in the tetons and they the jenny lake climbing rangers are you know among the the most highly trained in the world i mean they do you know sh- short haul helicopter operations and they pluck people off you know the 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 you know these ridges that are just absolutely insane like you know, same thing in, in a place like, you know, Rocky Mountain National Park. I mean, it, it, you know, a place like Yosemite, right? I mean, those, you know, these, these folks are, not only are they, you know, highly skilled, but I mean, they are climbers. They are, you know, they're us, right? So, you know, it, it, it makes me feel you know, really good. Like when I go to some of those places and I just know that, you know, it's not kind of a, you know, sort of a hodgepodge of, of volunteers <laughs> like, like it is on my team. I mean, honestly, like, you know, my team and, and a lot of the teams around the state, even the, the top tier teams are really good. But I mean, they're not just sitting and waiting most of the time. I don't know. Maybe some of those RMR guys are are just sitting and waiting at like the Chautauqua Trailhead, just like with like binoculars, like looking up the flat irons, probably. But um, actually, I think I know that they do do that because um, just they get so many calls. But, you know, most teams around the state just don't you know, we just we have jobs. Right. So like the average like let's say you're. Okay, let's say you're climbing at, shit, uh, upper, I don't know, Avalon in Boulder Canyon, and your, your partner, yeah. your partner um, whips and hits their ankle, and you lower them, and they can't hike down. They break their their maybe their ankle, maybe their heel, whatever. Mm-hmm. Something happens. That's a nasty approach. Yes, yeah. Avalon is no joke. I mean, yeah. there's a tie roll and everything. Yeah, I mean, or you know, I mean, it is going to be. Well, I guess, I mean, RMR, that's a bad example because those guys are just like, those guys are on it. Um, I mean, it, like, it's going to be even, I mean, it's going to be an hour, like, at least. Yeah. I mean, with my team, it's going to be multiple hours. It's going to be three to four to five hours before mm-hmm. you're even talking to a person, let alone in a litter, mm-hmm. on your way out. So, I mean, people need to kind of understand that, you know, like, I mean, especially with, with in-reaches and with, you know, some of these, you know, spots and some of these different devices, you know, they're, they're have really revolutionized mountain search and rescue and, and, you know, search and rescue in, in general and have saved lives. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible to read, you know, some of the, 
I don't know if it's, you know, marketing propaganda that Garmin puts out, you know, with those, those in reach, you know, this is how many people, you know, we've saved, but I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we, we on our team, I mean, we, we have personally, you know, there have, there have been, I would probably say, you know, lives have been saved on my team, um, due to, you know, personal locator beacons, you know, and, or, and I just want to take a quick second to kind of clarify something because this is actually new. I learned something as of recent that I don't think was common sense necessarily regarding beacons. For some reason, there was some propaganda going out, hearsay, whatever, um, that if you get a beacon, you've got a, something catastrophic happens, you've got to hit that, you've got to hit that button. Star comes out, rescue you. There was some propaganda out there that if that happens, because Sar had to assemble and do all this, that rescue is going to cost you at least $20,000. Um, could you, just because I don't want people hesitating to push that button if they need it. Absolutely. Could you clarify that? I, that one of the, and I, I'm, I'm kind of upset that I didn't like clarify this at the, the very first thing that I even said before I even talked about who I was. <laughs> um, <clears throat> mountain search and rescue teams, search and rescue teams around the state of Colorado and I would dare to say 95% of most search and rescue missions in the country, I think there's a very, very small amount that do charge due to just gross negligence. But search and rescue is no charge is free in the state of Colorado. The only that some some where some sort of thing is, you know, where where there's some confusion is transport. Okay, once you are at the trailhead transport okay or potential transport out of the backcountry with something like a helicopter all right in most circumstances is not necessarily free of charge but i that there should never be anybody should never hesitate um, that's why it is free um, is because there have been studies and, and people you know literally you know said i did not you know i did not call 911 i did not you know press this button because i was worried that it was going to cost money so I want to, you know, make that very, very clear that you will, even if it's gross negligence, even even if it, you know, goes off in your backpack. I mean, I don't know. There was an instance um, with a team uh, many, many years ago that this guy had a had one of those spots, a spot, mm -hmm. yep. you know, and it just kept. I think three times it it went off and it was just in this guy's backpack. And I think he was one time. I think he was skiing up at Bertha Pass, and um, you know, I think Grand County was was mobilized or deployed to to and and like you know they were just watching the spot like on the on the map just you know moving, you know. So in emergency mode. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In in SOS mode. Yeah. So so. Um, you know, your transportation, your care, when, you know, I roll up to you and I, you know, offer care, that is completely free of charge. And, you know, nobody should be should be hesitant. If there's a helicopter that comes in, if, you know, something like Flight for Life comes in and, and you know, there is a, an extraction and normally Flight for Life will only operate if, if um, there's a, a risk of losing um, life, limb or sight. So, you know, we're not, there's not going to be a helicopter like coming to get you if you're like, oh, my, you know, my ankle is sprained, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, if, if your life is in danger, like, you know, nobody should be, should be worried about, you know, the, the bill if, if their life yeah. is in danger, right? And, and I just know that's a very common misconception. And yeah. I was under the same exact yeah. mindset not very long ago until, until I happened to come across this article and I started to dive in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. 
I just automatically assumed, oh man, you know, yeah. I better be prepared yeah. because, you know, maybe I don't want, I don't have that 20K yeah. for this little rescue yeah, that no, I needed. It's, it's but, free. It's free. And, okay. and a lot of that, um, unfortunately, I think comes from, um, I think maybe, I don't want to, I don't want to say misinformation, but there's some sort of, I guess, yeah, misinformation around what's called the Corsar card. So for, I think, two or three dollars, you can get, and I think it, it comes with a, a hunting and fishing license. But there have these, been these cards that, that people can purchase, and there's kind of been some confusion. It really is just kind of a donation to what used to be the, the Division of, of Local Affairs, or DOLA, and then they distributed that money to, um, to different teams that applied for it. So there's this kind of big pot of money that, um, you know, let's say um, we need a new, um, you know, UTV. Um, or, or maybe, maybe something else, maybe like, I don't know, my climbing helmet. Um, I don't know. We, we had a member, uh, she, she put her climbing helmet down and got run over by a truck, mm. one, by one of our trucks. So like, that's not something that, you know, that was an accident. That's something, something that she should have to pay for as a volunteer. So we can apply to this fund and get reimbursed for some of those things. Good. We don't get everything, right. unfortunately. Right. I mean, if we, you know, if I, if I apply for, you know, in, you know, a a brand new, you know, wardrobe from Mark Tarek's. Like they're not gonna, they're not, they're not gonna, they're not gonna foot that bill. But like, if it's something like, um, you know, uh, this rope got, you know, damaged in this, you know, low angle, or it got, you know, I don't know, battery acid spilled on it, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there are these cards, and a lot of people kind of were, have been under the impression that they're search and rescue insurance cards. So if you have one of these cards that, you know, it's some type of insurance that, oh, you won't, you know, ever get charged for search and rescue. That's not how it works. You will, anybody will never be charged for search and rescue, right. even if you have the card or not. Right. But it's a really nice thing to, to have because if you get into trouble, one of the things that, that I'll ask you when I come up to you is, do you have your card? And when we go and apply for those funds, we can say that subject had a card. And they donated, and they're more likely oftentimes to kind of reward us if the subject has a card. So just to clarify, getting the card, um, which is just like you said that, 2 or $3 or mm -hmm. something, that is the donation by the public. The money going to the card is funding, is going to your guys' pot. It part, yeah, part of the money okay. that, that goes to that pot is, okay. is, is yeah, so cool. that money. Yeah, so um, I'm really excited to, to, yeah, really excited to talk about it. So there's just been some recent legislation um, really, um, you know, kind of spearheaded by the Colorado Search and Rescue Association. Um, and basically now, uh, um, I don't know if, you know, listeners are aware, but um, you, it's, it's, some people aren't really thrilled with this. I think it's great, but you are, auto, unless you opt out, you're automatically... Um, when you register a car, you're automatically uh, given a state parks, an annual state parks pass. Yes. So some people don't like it, right? Some, you know, some people think that it's, you know, government overstepping, you know, $85, whatever they, but that, you know, you can easily opt out, you know, well, I, I don't know about easily. I'm not sure how easy it is, but you probably just go to a website. Some of that money goes to a, a search and rescue fund for, for us, for backcountry search and rescue teams. So, um, you know, we, there, there's been some really, really great, um, spearheaded by um, by the uh, the the, the um, executive director, I'm, I'm not sure if he's the executive director, or President Jeff Sparhawk um, with with RMR, um, but he's you know just done their government relations kind of team at CSAR has just done some amazing work, really advocating for us and really um, you know kind of passing legislation and, and raising awareness of kind of what we do and um, you know for example it's kind of an interesting sort of a, a little interesting thing, but um, 
children of search and rescue volunteers. If, for example, I have a four-year-old daughter, and I think uh, the legislation says that if I, for you know, God forbid, if I'm ever killed in the line of duty as a search and rescue volunteer, my daughter can attend an in-state university free of you know tuition free. So that's one. That's just kind of an that's interesting awesome legislation. Yeah, kind of an interesting yeah. sort of a, a perk. You know, I mean, if that's something, you know, I mean, we try to, to train and you know, but I mean, is that there's inherent risks, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you're you know, holding, you know, a, a steel cable, you know, that's attached to a helicopter, you know, that's hovering 30 feet above you, you know, there's risk, right? Like if you're on the end of a rope, I mean, you know, there's rockfall, there's lightning. I mean, there, you know, so yeah. there's, there's stuff like that, 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 you know, that I think we've really come a long way in the last, you know, couple of years, you know, as far as, um, you know, the kind of the legislation and, and some of the support from the state. So um, I'm really grateful for, you know, for CSAR and what they do and, um, you know, for all the work that the government relations team has done. So. That's excellent. Yeah, you know, you uh, mentioned lightning. I was actually just just having a little uh, a little little debate with one of my buddies. Um, he's a little more uh, he's a little more uh, um, less risk adverse than I am in terms of mitigating risks, and mm-hmm. you know, and I I can respect that. Um, but we're talking about like going out climbing the other day, and you know, we've had thunderstorms here just for the past weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, I saw like 70% chance of thunderstorms and everything. And I was just talking to him. I'm like, hey, we can't be on at like the top of a flat iron during a, a lightning storm. And we're, we're just having a little debate. Um, but would you agree that <laughs> being up there yeah. is our lightning in general? Lightning in general. From a hiking situation, being at that massive elevation oh, it's, is a legit risk. I, I think uh, Colorado is number two in lightning fatalities in the United States. It's a um, thing. Yeah. So I think number one is Florida um, because everybody goes golfing in Florida mm. and, and people get struck by lightning yeah. like daily. <laughs> exactly. You have a, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is, lightning is, is, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and... Um, I mean, yeah, we, there's, there's been, you know, teams that, um, yeah, that there was an incident, you know, many, many, well, not many years ago, but there was an, a very, on a very, very popular mountain and, um, some, there was a, a, a very serious, I would say catastrophic, um, electrical event near the summit, um, of that mountain. And there was a team that just did not go. They just flat out refuse like this is you know we're going to put our team members in danger and, mm. um you know and and that makes you know perfect sense to me yeah. i mean it's it's well, something I, that's that's one of those super unique situations because i can't think of many other things outside of a lightning storm that you can't mitigate yeah you know so like i mean we've all met people that say well i don't i don't go out hiking because of bears you know or i don't go out climbing because the rope could break, you know, and it's like yeah. those really aren't actual things. And even if they were, you could greatly mitigate those. Yeah. Um, but lightning is one of those, you can't yeah. train for lightning. Yeah. You can only avoid it. Right. Yeah. And people, you know, that that's a, a really big thing is because is, is people, they drive, you know, 15 hours from St. Louis or they drive, you know, from Dallas and they're going to climb Mount Democrat. Or they're going to climb Quandry, or they're going to climb, um, you know, Grays and Tories, come hell or high water, right? And even me standing at the trailhead with a big red jacket on that says, "I do not advise you doing this. This is dangerous. There's an electrical storm coming in. Look at look at the thunderstorm cell on this on my phone right now. Do you hear that? That's thunder. 
some people will look at you and say, do you know, do you know how far I drove? Like that's an acceptable. Well, reason. you know, for for these people, you know, it's it's. I mean, some of these, and you know, it's it's just and like I said, it's not. You know, they're not intentionally. You know, it's just they just have no idea. They just have no idea. I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty shocking. You know, the the level of kind of ignorance that you know some people have. But, um, you know, but as far as mitigating it, you know, I mean, you know, the the classic adage, right? I mean, be below. You know, be off the summit by noon. I mean, that's a still you know rings true. I mean, you know, the last three weeks or four weeks now, it, it doesn't really ring true because, I mean, clouds were building at my house by, you know, 8 a.m. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, there's been instances of, well, I mean, just super quick. I mean, lightnings, I, I, I'm a, I sort of a, am a kind of a scholar of lightning. I mean, I, I've been in enough situations and been very intimately familiar and with the dangers of it. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, that you that most of the time you, you can do your best to mitigate it. So you know they, they say that if you can hear lightning, no matter how far the the clouds are away, if you can hear lightning, you are in danger. Interesting. That that and I think that's an important thing because like sometimes I'll be up on the summit of Longs, you know, and like there'll be clouds like you know over the Never Summer Range, or there'll be you know clouds down like over James Peak or in the Indian Peaks, and like you can barely hear it. But that's what they that's what they say. Mm. There's been I mean, there is a fatality up at the Alpine Visitor Center in Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain National Park, I think, in the 80s. And there they literally it was I mean, they, they say that it, there was a strike of lightning out of blue sky. There was a, a, a cell, a thunder cell 60 miles away, wow. almost at the Nebraska Wyoming border. And I mean, I, you know, I, I, there's, there's, you know, scientists that have studied this and they, and they, they say it's, it's possible. I mean, the physics, I mean, it's lightning is one of those things that it just absolutely is just terrifying to me. It's just, it's <laughs> one of those, for, it's a force of nature that, yeah. that I am equally, you know, terrified of and fascinated of at the same time. I mean, and, 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 you know, we have a physician on our team, um, Dr. Roger Matthews, who, um, is a, a really incredible, uh, physician and, and clinician and um, does does a lot of, of work um, with CSAR and a lot of a lot of kind of on the medical side and he's he's done a, you know these presentations and to, to see what you know lightning kind of does to the human body it's it's really again both fascinating and completely terrifying at the same time it's yeah. it's really really interesting stuff so so I kind of want to um, hit this as as we come up on our timeline yeah um, all right so I'm gonna put you on the spot for a second. So speaking of like people that are getting themselves in these situations, just off the top of your head, um, if you could make a recommendation for people that are going out, whether it's hiking, climbing, anything like that, outside of their general gear, right? Outside of water, outside of a jacket, um, what is one or two pieces of gear that you would recommend or maybe based on your experience, if they had had this, this would have changed everything. What are two things that are maybe just not, that the common hiker doesn't have, that you would recommend they do have on these backcountry excursions? I would say before I talk just about the gear thing, I would say most important thing is telling somebody where you're going. And not only telling somebody where you're going, but doing your absolute best to stick to that plan. Right. And if let's say you're driving to the trail, like maybe you don't have somebody to, 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 to tell where you're going. Right. That happens. Um, write a note, put it on, put it on the, the hood of your or, you know, put it on the dash of your car going up, um, you know, hanging lake trail this date. 
Um, sometimes, I don't know, people even like, well, you know, will like say what kind of shoes they have, like what they're wearing, you know, I don't know if you really want to kind of go that route, but you know, that, that as a, as a, you know, technician, it's, 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 um, really, that's like a really critically important and very nice thing to, to have is, you know, especially that note, like we have, you know, loved ones that say, oh yeah, he goes up, you know, to the, you know, he goes up to, uh, um, you know, Kataka mountain all the time, you know, but like to actually have that on a piece of paper, you know, to say this is where I'm going is super important. So really important that people do that. Um, I think, um, I mean, footwear, like I just, I keep coming back to footwear. I mean, a change of socks, you know, if, if you, you know, get, if your feet get wet, I mean, there's a lot of people that just like, they freeze, right? And um, so, I mean, extra socks, a headlamp or a flashlight is huge. I mean, people lose their minds when it gets dark, they freeze. I mean, everything just becomes scary. Like mm -hmm. your confidence level when it's dark drops to like half. Like, I mean, my like mine too, right? Like when I'm on hiking on a dark trail, I turn into, you know, a little toddler, right? Like, what you know, what was that? So, you know, extra batteries for, you know, important. Another, this is more than, um, people that really rely heavily on Gaia or their phones, um, an external, you know, battery pack, you know, an external battery pack for their phone is huge. I mean, now, you know, you can get these things at Walgreens, although the ones you can get at Walgreens, you got to kind of make sure that they, you know, actually hold a charge and they're good, but huge. I mean, the, these things, because if you really think about it, we run into this so often, people are navigating on their phone all day, then maybe they run into trouble and let's say they, they call and um, maybe they're roaming or something and you know their phone is maybe kind of working extra hard to pick up signals and maybe it's dropping signals. They're talking to a dispatcher for 10 minutes and then their phone goes dead and maybe they're on you know 10%. You know, for and and by the way, their phone being on, even if they're not actively communicating, we can ping their 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 phones, um, and we can triangulate you know their position you know using that signal. So like even text messaging somebody, like even text messaging a relative, like we can pick up those signals. So um, you know having having an external battery pack, having extra you know. Uh, batteries for a flashlight, just having a headlamp or a flashlight, change of socks is really, um, I think, really important as well. Um, even, I mean, you would be really surprised, even just a roll of simple athletic tape. A roll of athletic tape can roll, um, you know, can tape a rolled ankle. Um, it can get you through, um, you know, it can put, you, know, you can put it on a, on a laceration. You can cover a, a blister with it. You can, um, I mean, a roll of, a, of athletic tape is, or Coban, I mean, Coban is, is a really, you know, a, a, a famous one as well. So I think, though, you know, just, I think those, you know, couple items I think would, would do um, do a lot of people some good. And I just want to even caveat on what, what you're saying about, um, about telling people where you're going and everything like that. Um, I'll start by saying I'm not sponsored by Garmin or anything. All right. Maybe one day. But... Um, I'm a big fan of the inReach. I'm mm -hmm. a big fan. And one of the things that, for those people that don't have an inReach or know about them, that I love about it, not only does it have the SOS beacon capability, that's that's great in that situation, but it, it has these buttons on there to where you can send a message to say, hey, to my friend, hey, Andy, I'm um, here's where I am right now. I've been on the trail about an hour. Two hours later, you can send another message. Every time I send you a message, 
it sends it to you and it automatically gives you the full GPS coordinates right. of exactly where yeah. it is. Yeah. And um, at the same time, if you're if you're going out and you're with a loved or you're not with a loved one, let's say your loved one's at home or you know, um, for example, you know, like I'll I'll send these to my mother sometimes and I'll say, here's a link. You can track me mm-hmm. real time. Yeah. And she can track me from, you know, she's down in Florida. She can track me the whole time and watch me on the map moving over here in Colorado. Yep. You know, it's so, super cool. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's sometimes, so simple. Sometimes we, we run into to people that, that actually communicate with their like loved ones that they're in trouble. Yeah. Like there's something about them actually hitting that SOS button that totally freaks people out. So they're like, I'm in big trouble, but I don't want to hit that button. So I'm just going to like worry my, my wife or my mom or my sister. Yeah. What are they going to do? Well, it's, it's kind of bizarre. Like sometimes like we'll be like, no, like just hit the actual button. Like we're done. Like we're done, you know, going through your, your sister on this. Like you yeah. just hit the button, but yeah. I completely agree with you. And you know, I mean the, you know, that one has kind of risen, I would say, you know, to kind of the top as far as, you know, functionality and, you know, ease of, of, um, of use. And um, that has to be a game changer for you guys. It really is. I mean, to be not, so the, the thing, you know, the thing is, is you know the 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 sheer PLBs, right? So the things that just send out, you know, the the emergency distress signal are amazing, and some sometimes those are actually more useful. Like for example, in Canyon Country, you know, those things blast out, you know, a signal that, I mean, it's it's very very powerful. I can't remember what what megahertz you know frequency it's on, but it's very powerful. But you can't you can't talk, right? There's no two way messaging. That's where you know the spots and the in reaches you know mm-hmm. really come in. So. You know, I see that you're right here. I see that, you know, you're SOS. What's going on? Like, are you having a heart attack? Did you break your leg? Um, you know, are, is there, you know, is, is, you know, having those types of information, having that type of information is, is just a complete game changer because, you know, for us, I mean, we have trails and, you know, we have a very popular backpacking route that if you're, you know, if you're in the far corner of it, it's, you know, it's 15 miles of, pretty pretty rough terrain so like if me is like a hasty is like a hasty provider if i you know run into you you know and with you know with a first aid kit um and you are sitting there and you need your insulin (laughs) or you need you know your inhaler right like i don't i have no idea right i don't know that as as a hasty and that's you know hasty responders you know you just go in and you just assess if, you know, if you have that in reach, you can say, I need my, you know, albuterol, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, send it. I need my insulin. I need this. I need my, you know, EpiPen, right? Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge, you know, it's, it's really, really huge. And, you know, in some, in some cases, you know, I mean, their lives have been saved because, you know, rescuers oh, have been sure. in to deliver exactly what's needed. I'm sure. You know, at that time. So, you know, but yeah, I think about those situations because, you know, you mentioned certain places like Avalon. And even Avalon's a pretty, it's, um, it's a difficult, it's a very steep and difficult approach. Yeah. I, you, know, you know, especially, especially over the tyrol. Yeah. Imagine, um, imagine getting a non-ambulatory, like a, a, somebody that's not, you know, yeah. can, that's unconscious. Imagine getting them from, you know, upper tier of Avalon across. Yeah. It's and, difficult. Right? And so, and that takes hours and people don't really realize that, you know? Yeah. So. And I like to pride myself as, as being, being a pretty, um, you know, strong in shape mountain ready person but if i had someone that was non-ambulatory um up there or you know upper animal world or anything like that i struggle footing wise on that shale rock Mm -hmm. getting myself up there for the approach yeah 
there's no way on a on a downhill I'm going to be able to hoist someone over my shoulders and be able to properly get them down yeah. without having yeah, pro- a properly yeah. fall. Yeah, that, just not, that's that's the key word is yeah people yeah. oh yeah we can do this you know people self rescue people do that stuff and you know and, and we I mean I think we would rather you know them try to do that but I mean when it becomes you know dangerous for other people yeah. when it when it becomes you know dangerous to, to further injure you know the the subject i mean that's when you know pe- people just you know in closing i think that you know people again people should never hesitate um you know i people think that you know they're going to be like made fun of or you know i don't know they read forums on 14er.com or they read you know mount these mountain project forums or something and you know they think that you know by initiating a, a, a response they're going to get you know laughed at or whatever but i mean the, the truth is that I mean, you know, things can go wrong, you know, quickly. And, mm-hmm. and in that time, here's the thing, like in that hour that you're debating whether to call, like that could be daylight that is burning. That could be, you know, your own energy that you're burning. You know, there's there's been cases where people kind of, you know, they, they kind of drag their ass kind of, you know, deciding, you know, should I do this? And, and that, you know, that that's that can put, you know, rescuers and, you know, in the safety of rescuers in jeopardy. And so, you know, the second that you really think that, you know, I'm in danger or, you know, these other people are in danger. This is a, a, a thing that I'm not going to be able to to handle myself. This is you know, this is a, a this is a concern, at least, you know, talking to somebody if, if you know, if, if you have that ability. I mean, you know, there might be cases we've had supervisors. We've had supervisors guide people down from the summits of 14ers in the in pitch black before and there's not a a a response at all like some of our supervisors and some of you know some of our members of our teams know these trails so well that they can Mm. literally be like okay in you know 60 seconds you're going to come up to a stream crossing and there's going to be a log on the right hand side Oh, this is over the phone on the phone yeah 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 on the oh yeah totally over the phone or um you know even over over in reach like hey head down you know head down this valley when you get to the river stay on the left side of the river you're going to run in the trail Nice. Like, you know, stuff like that, um, you know, so don't ever hesitate to to call. Um, it's always free of charge. There's never a charge, you know, for the rescue. Like if you need, you know, transport, you know, if, you know, from the trailer to the hospital, like that's not something that you people probably want to like skimp on, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't know. I get it. Like I didn't have health insurance for you know, 10 years, right? Like I get it. I, I understand that people, you know, are super freaked out and they you know, the second somebody, you know, comes up to them with a radio and there's flashing lights and, you know, people freak out, but, um, you know, it's, it would, it's, it's a just always better to be safe than sorry, really. And, you know, you never know, like it's, sometimes it's fun. Like we get to see, you know, other members on the team, we get to hang out. Like, um, you it's, know, it's, it's what we train for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like it's, it's there, there's this jolt of adrenaline, you know, when we get a call, like it's, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's, you know, what we train to do, you know, it's like, it's like an EMT that, you know, gets, gets a call. It's like a, you know, a law enforcement officer that gets a call. It's, you know, it's kind of what we train to do. Um, and so I don't ever want anybody to be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, oh, it's, it's too much trouble. You know, like we get that all the time. Like two, this woman came out of her house two days ago and was like, thank you so much. I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all. I'm like, lady, like you have nothing to be sorry about. Like this is, you know, shit happens. It's like literally what we do. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, we're like, we're not getting paid, but like, you know, 
I mean, for some people, like it's like their life, yeah. right? I mean, like I have a family and a job, and like I have you know my own personal goals and interests, climbing you know climbing mountaineering goals and things. But you know, for some people, it's like they just I mean, it's it's like they like sit like with a radio like in front of their you know they just like stare at their radio, just like ready to go, right? And they they're just psyched to yeah. to go out and help, and like that's just awesome. So. Um, you know, it, never hesitate to call. And again, you know, if, if people are interested in, you know, contributing and donating, you know, either their time or, um, you know, their, their money, um, you know, go to, um, you know, if they, they can just like Google, you know, if they're in, um, if they, you know, recreate or climb in like in Clear Creek or Boulder, I mean, you know, RMR, Rocky Mountain Rescue is, is all a Boulder County. So like donating, you know, I mean, even, you know, 25 bucks to RMR, you know, once a year, right? Like 25 bucks to Alpine Rescue. Well, what was that? Um, and so, so either RMR or Alpine Rescue, those, those are the two places kind of locally. Locally, I mean, but, you know, Larimer County, I mean, du you know, Douglas County, right? Like, you know, if people climb in Castlewood or uh, Castlewood Canyon, that's Douglas County. Um, you know, El Paso County, Teller County is like 11 mile. Basically, you know, anywhere you, you climb, right? Like, you know, look up, you know, what county it is. And that, that county is going to have a team. Like Grand County has a team. Um, you know, Alpine is Jefferson, Gilpin and Clear Creek. Um, you know, there's Park County, there's Summit County, there's El Paso, Teller, Vail Mountain Rescue is, you know, Vail area, Aspen Mountain, you know, Aspen Mountain Rescue. I mean, you know, any popular, you know, recreation site um, is going to have a, mountain re a, vo a volunteer mountain rescue team and they need money, yep. you know. So, um, you know, you can you can donate to, to, the, to the state, you know, Colorado Rescue Board. Um, you go to coloradosar.org. You can donate, you know, directly to them or you can go and, and donate to, you know, individual teams, which, you know, I, I really encourage people to do. Like, you know, let's say you... Or, you know, Rocky Mountain National Park, right? Like people go and climb, you know, climb um, on the Petit Rapon or they climb on Lumpy Ridge, right? Like, um, you know, throw 25 bucks a year to, you know, to the SAR team, right? Like, you know, just little stuff. You'd, you'd, you'd be like totally shocked, like, you know, how far some of that, you know, money really goes. I mean, that's awesome. So, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd encourage people to donate. I'd also encourage people to, you know, get involved if they, you know, have... Any remotely, you know, interest or any mountain skills, maybe they, you know, maybe they're, maybe you're a nurse and, you know, maybe you like to go hiking, you know, randomly or, you know, maybe you have just always kind of been interested in, um, you know, like, you know, interested in avalanche stuff, right? Like maybe you've taken your airy, your airy one and, you know, you kind of want to like practice that. You want to like put that, those skills to use. Like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of teams, <clears throat> you know, up there and, and ways you can get involved. So. Andy, well, this is, this has been awesome, awesome information. And, and you know, I just want to, again, thank you for, for coming out and, you know, um, you know, one of the things recently that really, really kind of pushed me over the edge for, you know, trying to, you know, get this sour information is I was, I was, uh, uh, climbing, climbing over at Castlewood actually, and I saw, um, you know, I saw a team uh, training the other week, you know, and you know, like I said, we always see SAR kind of training, but you know, we never really know exactly what's going on or what skills they're working on exactly. But it was just so inspiring seeing this, you know, group of people coming out and coming out on their weekend to train. And getting among other like-minded people that want to train and, you know, especially in most communities, um, it's very difficult to sell training. You know, um, training is a lot of people say, oh man, you know, I got to go out and train and, 
you know, definitely for myself and other people, you know, within some of these communities, it's kind of like, no, training, absolutely. That's a perfect way to spend a weekend. And I, you know, I saw those, I saw that team training and then I go down to the parking lot and I see all their vehicles and it's so cool seeing everyone repping SAR on there, you know, like personal vehicles, search and rescue. And again, it just, it lends to the aspect of true camaraderie. And it's just, it's very inspiring and it's very motivating knowing that in a situation to where we need SAR, they're out there training. You know, you guys are not, you guys are not smoking and joking, you know, you know, just kind of hanging out, you know, not training. You guys are well-trained and you're putting it into practice. And so it's just, it's very comforting knowing, especially here in Colorado to where we live for the outdoors. I mean, the outdoors is what we do and realistically the chances of something happening little tiny things you know me twisting an ankle is very real and so having you guys as a backup is just um we are very very appreciative and very grateful especially in the climate community mm, you thank know you. and so um you know. and, and every one of those people down in that parking lot at some point was 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 somebody that was like oh cool i bet what you know i wonder what they're doing right like just like i was you know staring up at castle rock and boulder canyon being like that is i wonder what they're doing up there that is the coolest thing ever you know get if if that is interesting to you like you know get get involved like you know it, go on the website some teams are like kind of always accepting applications and always accepting you know new recruits some teams you know might only accept you know new new team members at certain times of the year or you know but you know just just go and, and get involved and, and see what's up just kind of you know ask you know it doesn't hurt to ask so yeah, yeah. absolutely so everyone listen luckily uh you know you know luckily this uh podcast has has gained quite a lot of a lot of traction over the past year and um, it's become one of the top climbing podcasts within the Front Range area and that's why I really want to have you guys um, have you on to spread this this word um, you know like you said get involved reach out um, again just just uh, Alpine Climbing and RMR I'm sorry Alpine Rescue and RMR are the yeah. sites that yeah. they can go to. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, kinda, you know, it, it, it really yeah, it just kind of depends on where, where mostly people are climbing. Right. So, you know, Find if, you're your a, place. if you're a, you know, if you're a hundred percent a Boulder Canyon, flat iron Eldo climber, then RMR is your team. You know, if you're a hundred percent, you know, clear Creek climber, you know, Alpine, if maybe you, you know, climb a little bit of both and maybe, you know, maybe you boulder, uh, I don't know, maybe you're a, you go down to South Platte, um, you know, South Platte, you know, the El Paso and Teller County um, are, are down there. So it really, you know, totally depends on kind of where you're climbing. And, you know, if you go up to climb on Long's Peak, you know, that's Rocky Mountain National Parks are. So just kind of um, decide, you know, figure out, you know, where, what counties you're recreating in primarily. And, you know, those teams um, will welcome your support with open arms and, and really, really appreciate that. So thank you that's very awesome. much for, for listening. Hey. <laughs> Hey, Andy Novak, you are the man. And again, thank you for your service, man. All right. Thank you, Jay. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in yet again to the Denver Crux podcast. And thank you again to Andy. And also thank you to Search and Rescue Nationwide for being out there. We could not do it without you. We need you out there making sure that we can continue going on our expeditions. And when things go wrong... We got you there. And in the meantime, it is still rainy here in Colorado. It's kind of putting a damper on some of our outdoor excursions. But, you know, sometimes it's going to be raining. Not ideal weather conditions. But 
In those situations, we might have to turn some of our standard climbing into some alpine climbing conditions, and we still gotta get after it regardless of the weather. So, all right, this is me signing out, and stay safe out there, and as always, keep doing dangerous things carefully.